Hello and welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydock, watch a Doctor Who story nominated by a special guest. That special guest has also secretly chosen their favourite things about each episode, and I have to see if I can guess what they are. Hi there, uh, this is Annie Wallace here. I play uh, Sally Sinclair on Channel 4's Hollyoaks. So... When Toby asked me which story would I like to talk about, I had a big think, and I have chosen Planet of the Spiders from 1974, which was John Pertwee's last story as the Third Doctor. Uh, now, this was a really big deal for me because the Third Doctor was my first Doctor, as it were, and as such, I hadn't known any different. I didn't know what regeneration was. And all I knew was, is that my favourite doctor was going to go. And I was going to get someone else. And I didn't want that. I was nine and that, you don't do that. <laughs> of course, I didn't know, of course. Nobody knew what an incredible doctor Tom Baker would be subsequently. But at the time, I loved John Pertwee. Joe Grant was one of my favourite companions. And she'd left the previous year, of course, to go off and get married to uh, Dr Jones. And uh, we had just had Sarah Jane Smith introduced in, in the season. So here we are. It's uh, the middle of 1974 and it's the final story, Planet of the Spiders. Now, thankfully, I do not suffer from arachnophobia. I quite like spiders. Um, they're quite cute. Yeah, I know that's a bit twisted, but, you know, that's that's how I roll. So here I am watching Planet of the Spiders, and I need to tell you some things, don't I? Some things that I liked about each episode. Right, OK. So, standing by, here we go. Well, hello, campers. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's got absolutely nothing to do uh, with the episode in question. That was Annie Wallace, star of TV's Hollyoaks. We have a celebrity guest uh, who's not from the world of Who, although if there's any justice, uh, Annie will, I'm sure, if she can find some time in her schedule, she's very busy, um, pop up in the show at some point, and I will be cheering from the rafters because Annie is one of us, uh, a Doctor Who fan, which I didn't know when I first met her. I don't know when I picked up on the fact that she was a Doctor Who fan. I think it must have just... I think you just read between the lines. There's there's a look. You know, don't you? No, I think it must have been something she said on Twitter or Facebook. Anyway, anyway, nonetheless, um, she has chosen Planet of the Spiders, which means I'm going to have to begin with a little bit of a confession. And that is that I go into this as not a great fan of planet of the spiders uh it, it, it would languish in my when i did such things as make lists and polls and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah it would be an all-time clunker for me let me explain that's partially because the first episode of it i saw was episode six uh and we'll come to see why that had a series of disappointments for me and then I worked backwards I'd loved the book so this was the first Pertwee I got on video but I got episode six only because I was collecting the orphaned uh single episodes first so I could get a flavor of as much you know I wasn't actually that bothered about watching the, the whole story the actual when I was uncovering you know the, the, the history of Doctor Who for me 
actually watching the story be told and play out was less interesting to me as getting a flavour of the performances, seeing what it looked like. It's interesting, I, you know, I know that there are some people for whom, you know, the missing episode they want back is is the one that completes the jigsaw, you know, the Tenth Planet 4 or Web of Fear 3. Whereas for me, I sort of go, well, we kind of know what those stories are like. Give me something from The Massacre or Fury from the Deep or something that we don't have anything of, you know. So we've got just a little taste Different strokes for different folks, but that, that 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 worries me because I do write. You know, I, I hesitate to say I'm a writer, but uh, uh, you know, I've written scripts, and and to, to 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 write scripts, you have to understand story and structure and have an appreciation of those things. But as a Doctor Who fan, I think I yeah, I think I like to experience that all the different individual things that make up a story. You know, and I got episode six first. Which which means I've experienced the story in an odd way, but I, as I say, I love the book, um, and I've always struggled with it. But I know that doing this project enables me to find a love for something I've hitherto neglected, or thought badly of, or misunderstood, or just been in the wrong mood when I watched. And I try and make sure I'm in the right mood when I when I do these. But I have to do full disclosure uh, and say. You know, and I know a lot of people I respect who are a few years older than me. Sorry, Annie. But, you know, I know the, you know, the Nick Peggs and the Mark Gatisses are, are huge for Pertwee era people. Um, I, 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 and it's an era that has a lot of sort of nostalgic hold for them. Whereas I, this is the year I was born, you know, so I don't, I don't remember. I could have been on my mum's knee, uh, you know, breastfeeding when I was breastfed because my mum is from the medical profession and, uh, so understands the you know the importance of breastfeeding and but mostly for her it was so she could she's told me this sit down and have a fag so she could sit down and have a fag and feed me at the same time that's one of the reasons I was breastfed you see the past <laughs> the past has delights all its own um, so anyway shall we see what is going to happen with uh, uh, now I think I might have forgotten to have turned Alexa down a little bit. So if you've got, so what I'll do is, so I don't shout at her while you're listening to this and activate your own Alexa, uh, I'll do a little edit in post. So I'm just going to have a quiet word with Alexa. And I'm back in the blink of an eye and uh, having told Alexa to keep her blooming voice down. And her voice is going to speak in the language of Doctor Who and the Planet of the Spiders, which uh, was broadcast on the 4th of May, 1974. So January, February, March, April. I was four months and three days old. So uh, no nostalgia for me, apart from the faint whiff of cigarette smoke and the sweet taste of mother's milk. <laughs> Press play in three, two, one. Uh, so yes, the first thing I saw of Planet of the Spiders was this title sequence, which I wasn't expecting because I'd seen other Pertwees because of repeats and uh, the you know the odd bit and bob. But I didn't, uh, I you know I didn't know there was the full length Pertwee, which there's there's nothing wrong with. Although the legs I think are slightly short, but it's it's slightly jarring to me because it's like it's like the Tom Baker title sequence that I knew and loved very well, which suddenly has a full length Pertwee in it. So I've never quite got. Although I do like the you know I do like the opening with the. the you know, the, you know the, the shooting stars bit. Anyway, I think this is a really nice way to open with Mike Yates as a civilian. And I think we forget sometimes, I certainly forget, you know, there's, there's actually, 
Oh, those cows. I wonder what else they were in and why I never got to interview them. Um, you know, the continuity of the unit era is, is you know, perhaps more detailed than, than we tend to think, those of us that think about the show's continuity, you know, and when it really kicked in in the 80s and there were lots of, you know, back references and stuff. But this isn't so much actually continuity as, as sort of development of character. And Yates, for a sort of second-tier sidekick, as it were, gets a... Gets gets that reason, reasonably good through line of a of a of a story from the Green Death to Invasion of the Dinosaurs to this. It's a nice little, it's a nice little arc that you wouldn't expect a character of his kind to get in this kind of program at this kind of time. I don't think, and I certainly, and I certainly, it it, it always sort of surprises me when it occurs to me, and I go, oh yeah, of course they did that, but I don't think of Doctor at this time as a show that did that because there's not an awful lot of character development let's be honest you know there's not no story arcs for the brigadier or benton or any anything like that and and even for the you know for 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 sarah jane in the way that there are now where everybody has their own sort of private battles or 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 or, or little bits of character development that they go through in tandem to the stories being told so i'm i'm i always welcome this level of you know i'd call it relative sophistication i like this uh, mat that the uh, the the spider appears on later because it's a sort of carpety thing because it was on the back of the book the book cover had all sorts of joy in it because it had the wonderful image of sarah jane with a stripy top with a spider on her back from behind and john pertwee sort of reaching out in alarm but it also got the regeneration along the bottom in the painting and then it got the spider on the on the sort of rug on the back so uh and I remember it being, uh, and I actually have the hardback. My sister gave me the hardback for, for Christmas sometime later, but I'd already got the paperback. Um, so I wasn't actually bothered about being given the hardback. But now, of course, I know how, how precious the hardbacks are. I'm, uh, I'm more grateful now than perhaps I was then. Excellent cobweb, like a bit of cobweb in Doctor Who. Uh, I'm sure we will talk about Lupton and his bevy of character actors, all of whom uh, have other Doctor Who credits. Uh, although at the time I first watched planet of the spiders one of them didn't because he came much later but i'm sure i'm sure there'll be plenty of time to talk about uh, him when i've got less to talk about say maybe when i've exhausted myself halfway through episode four uh, or whatever um one of the things we don't know i did a, did a little bit of research now there's two two mysteries i have here i think somebody once put me in touch with one of the ladies in the audience here and did i actually ever contact her but i I think we may have had a hello, but I, I, I didn't interview her and maybe I should have done. Maybe I, I didn't follow that up. Um, but somebody I know knows one of the ladies in the audience here. But what we don't know, and I and I may have not seen through the introduction or the sharing of contact details, in which case I'm very sorry. Um, I've just been reminded I, uh, uh, by by Phil Newman, actually, that he'd... he'd, he'd he'd found a contact for a designer um that i said oh yeah i must interview that person and, and never chased up because my personal life gets in the way and sometimes i get distracted and forget because interviewing doctor who people is my hobby not my job but the other thing we don't know before we move away from it is that um who the voices are uh, of the uh the MC and the people in the club. There's nothing on the paperwork. Uh, there was some have suggested it might be Barry Letts. I don't think it is, simply because it, it doesn't sound like him. And yes, I know he could be putting on a voice, but I don't think even the timbre or anything is is right. Um, so it could have been one of the other cast members who were around. Some people said, "Oh, well, it's because it's a comedian. It's Chubby Oates because he's in episode two. Yeah, but he's in episode two on film, 
him him being in the studio at a completely different time would have been no more cost effective or convenient you may as well have got anybody else who happened to be you know in a lay-by in denim at any other time of the year um so you know i think that's somebody going oh that that's a pattern that works but not looking into the logic of it um but we don't know we do not know who it is uh uh but we do know who this is this is the mighty Cyril Shapps, who I always forget is in Planet of the Spiders because he's only in this episode. Um, I think he's Professor Clegg. I think he's credited as Professor Herbert Clegg in the Radio Times, but not on screen, which is the sort of thing that is of interest to three people. Um, <laughs> and one of them is me. Um, he's sort of almost auditioning for Doctor Who here, isn't he? He's got he's dressed as Doctor Who. Uh, and I, I think he looks good in a beard, old Shapps. Um, he's he's a he's a lovely character actor. Um, the barman in Adventure in Space and Time that I played is called Cyril, and that is a nod to Cyril Shapps, uh, a hastily conceived one because I was I wanted to be called Reg, uh, 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 and uh, and couldn't be, and then I was going to be called Les, but then we realised there was a character called Len, so I was going to be after Reg Cranfield, the policeman. Uh, in an unearthly child then after les leslie bates the shadow of czar uh, shadow of cal at the end of an unearthly child and then it, neither of those worked so very quickly I went, oh cyril because because uh, cyril shaps and cyril seemed like a, a name we could give to a barman at the bbc uh, and it just looks better on the credits than barman um so that is why the cyril that is why the barman in adventure of space and time is called cyril because it is a uh, hastily thought of name to look better on IMDb and on the credits than Barman. That was Mark's idea to just make the fact that I'd got two and a half lines seem slightly more rewarding, which is very sweet of him. I was happy to be there. Uh, and and a nice nod to somebody who's... Uh, it's, nice to, it's nice to acknowledge those that you've welcomed into your home. And Cyril Shapps is very welcome. Even my mum. remember Cyril Shapps being an episode of The Bill and my mum... Uh, recognizing him um i seem to i seem to remember the cso here being rotten and that actually looks okay but i know when they tart it up for dvd they 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 improve some of the fringing that uh uh you know i think is particularly prevalent in barry Letts directed doctor who stories uh, and oh and the green death to be fair and i god i used to be so embarrassed by by bad CSO um, because but of course you know old telly looks like you know this looks like old telly to people who aren't used to old telly because it's videotape uh, you know because because of the certain quality of the picture and the the, the way that sets look and, and the way that actors act you know this the CSO is just another part of that ingredient whereas you know the rest of this to me seems you know you know perfectly watchable and in no way a compromise i'm in no way having to suspend my disbelief this is what this is this is real to me as real to me as 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 a piece of television i might might watch today uh and in fact in some ways more real because i like the the continuity of the performances and anyway it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um the point is that the cso always seemed particularly egregious to me whereas now it seems just part of a of a, of a landscape of compromise to a to a modern eye um but also i think yeah the uh, the restoration team have tarted it up now uh the, the caveat to my 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 not liking planet of the spiders was that i always quite liked episode one i love the way that kevin Lindsay does that that whatever that bit of business is um 
uh, with the with the tinkly bell thing, which I, you know, if if, if I was a respectable um, proper journalist, academic researcher type, I would have read up a little bit on Buddhism and gone, uh, and of course uh, that's a flippity doo dah. But I don't know. I know about Doctor Who and old actors, and I know what I like, and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, and I make no apology for that. If it gets me through my life doing very little harm, uh, and and hopefully some good if only in of the distraction variety i'll take it um i've always enjoyed episode one because i think it's a, a lovely setup i think this is an interesting setting i like the way that mike late yates brings us into the story uh, I've, there's going to be things to say about tommy who i think is wonderfully played by john kane here and indeed choji who i think is is well played by kevin Lindsay. but we have to the modern viewer we have uh, i think it's fair to have caveats when we when we examine both there's plenty of time to do both of those things um but i think i think the intent here to have a uh a, a, a simple-minded character um as one who is uh, benign and overlooked and treated badly is 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 very interesting and he goes on a he goes on on a journey and, it, and 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 it's all to do with the themes of being reborn and stuff like that but we'll look at that because there are elements and I'm, you know i'm particularly aware of this now that i've i've done things with members of the disabled community and as we become more aware of you know issues of neurodiversity that that it's a port, it's 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 a portrayal of um somebody with learning difficulties that could be seen as slightly you know slightly awkward to the modern eye although it's there is no doubt that everything here is 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 born of decency and good intentions but it's worth talking about um uh, I, I really like seeing Mike and Sarah sort of getting up to adventuring outside of the Doctor. I love the fact that this is Mike Yates-led. I'm not a massive, you know, Mike Yates is not, it's not a character that is particularly special to me, but I, 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 I like what they do with him here. I like that the programme goes, well, let's bring him back. And, and actually, he gets, he gets top, top guest billing as the story continues, which I think is a lovely way for him to bring his uh, time to an end i also like the fact that he's got driving gloves i i love the idea of me being somebody who has driving gloves but one i can't drive uh, and two i know that even if i did have driving gloves i'd never know where i put them i'd never have time to put them on because i always leave everything to the last minute and i've i've been given various accoutrements um to my dress every now and again that i think yeah i like to i like the idea of being a person who would wear one of those or have one of those but actually really elegant people who have things like those things you put on your shirt to hold up the sleeves and those sorts of bits um actually take quite a lot of care over their appearance and it takes time and application and a more ordered mind to wear them than, than mine is so I've, I've got i've got those various things but I, I i never actually use them uh and i love this uh thing with the the the, the tractor it doesn't really make any sense ultimately um uh but it's it's as as a kid at the time, you'd always read stories of sort of scary apparitions that then people looked and that was never explained where they were. So it was sort of in the landscape of, of things, you know, the, the tractor that suddenly appeared is a sort of fami comfortingly familiar, uncomfortable, scary thing. Um, so it's so it seems like a really, you know, useful way of going, oh, my God, something's going on here. And that, of course, leads Sarah into the story, which is which is delightful. And it's nice that she's going and, you know, and having some agency of, of her own. And, yeah, being in cahoots with Mike, who is who is going through his own. And this is, you know, where, where you know, 
the similarities you know the similarities a theme with the doctor's regeneration but also tommy being reborn but you know mike has gone there to sort of you know cleanse his mind after going through a difficult period for himself i now there is i know we sort of regret the fact that the brigadier has gone from being no nonsense soldier to somebody who is the butt of jokes but nicholas courtney is so good uh it's such i think this is such a funny scene i love the genuine laughter that pertwee does there and the genuine sort of affection that they have there there's a real warmth courtney's so good at the deadpan i think it's quite fun that the brigadier has a fancy lady called doris uh, he's a bit embarrassed and, and that professor clegg does that I, I think that's absolutely delightful whilst at the same time acknowledging that you know the brigadier is probably more effective as the you know the tough soldier of season seven and certainly his haircut's more military um imagine if carnival of monsters didn't exist that would be the only clip we had from it uh we'd be watching this and go that's all we have from carnival um uh if only he'd used the sonic screwdriver in the massacre uh, <laughs> uh now kevin Lindsay, of course it's very interesting seeing his face because uh, it's usually behind a Sontaran mask. And this is what I know Barry... Let now, you know, we like to spot Doctor Who actors from Doctor Who in other Doctor Whos, but I know Barry Letts deliberately fills this with actors who have played key roles in the Pertwee era. This is very much building up to a good goodbye for the Doctor. And I think, again, one of my disappointments with this watching it the silly way that I did and because Pertwee's the actual transformation is you know basically a, a, a crossfade um, I, I felt like it, it didn't have the sense of occasion that maybe it should but actually approaching it from this direction and, and you know trying to appreciate it you know in the context of what it is you know you got yes you've got Lindsay here who was Lynx at the beginning of the season uh, and you can see why they cast him now of course you'd obviously cast somebody who who you know was from genuinely from that part of the world but he has but he has a facial structure that 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 kind of works at a, if if you know at the time that you're giving westerners uh those sorts of roles you could see where I thought oh yeah kevin's facial structure might with a, with a bit of tweaking here and there might make might pass through to Ben. i think you know i think the accent seems a, a little cod and hokey now and of course you know we're we're uncomfortable with with those ideas now and i and i think that's that's that that's fair enough particularly as as the accent is does seem a little bit hokey now it does seem a a a, a, a bit you know a bit um yeah not it seems a little hokey i said the word hokey i think that's as far as i'll go uh, and but, but it's but but i still think it's a good performance you know you can have a a slightly pony slightly false um slightly uncomfortable to the modern viewer um, uh, sort of weapon in his arsenal, i.e., that that accent that he uses, and actually yet still have other qualities of the performance that that work and are good, um, and and I think that I I think it's perfectly reasonable for those two things, those two dif different things to pull in different directions, and uh, but but one not necessarily, but the cost of the other. Lindsay was a, 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 I think a very good actor. Um, uh, now this is lovely that it's the letter has come from. Joe Grant. So yes, we've got all of the actors um, from the Pertwee era. We start with Mike Yates coming back, and now we have a message from Joe Grant. 
which I think is beautiful. And I love the fact that it adds to the sort of family feel that she's she's addressed it to the doctor and then the brigadier and then Mike Yates and then Sergeant Benton. I think that I think that's very sweet. And of course, in the book, she's actually in it, isn't she? There's a prologue with uh, Joe Jones. Uh, and I remember f- and, and I remember being quite sad. But I mean, I, I, I guessed I knew even then that, that it was unlikely that Katie Manning would you know, would come back. It was, you know, it wasn't really the way that those things were done. Then you probably would now, you know, it's, it's like like Clara does at the end of um, Capaldi's season. You know, even if it's just the basically the actress in a in a cupboard and superimposed on later, to the delight of the viewing nation. Um, <laughs> that is exactly the same chanting that is in the Abominable Snowmen. So. So basically, if Abominable Snowmen 2 hadn't come back, we would go, this This is the only bit we've got of the Abominable Snowmen. Um, uh, but I, you know, and the, and, and the Buddhist thing is interesting because it's not being used cheaply. But this is genuine for, for Barry Letts. Barry Letts was a Buddhist uh, and he's decided to use the themes of his own faith. So he's not, you know, he's not patronising it, but he's also not because he wasn't that sort of man. Um being didactic about it either he's using it as a storytelling device and and also crucially using it as a thematic device which means the story works beyond just the telling of an adventure story you know things are reflected in different areas of it and i always like it when that happens i always like it when there's ambition in the writing to do more than just tell a story um so john dearth here and christopher burgess as the as the sort of two two main bad guys um well i mean dearth is the main bad guy and Burgess very much his sidekick but they have both been in the pertwee era before john dearth is the voice of boss in the green death christopher burgess uh, a pert uh, barry let's regular who always has a slightly broken quality about him is uh, professor phillips in terror of the autons but he was also in uh, in the enemy of the world uh and i think he's he's wonderful in this but we'll t- i'm sure we'll talk about them and i never th- think this bit works because I always think that Captain Yates, Mike Yates, makes his discomfort a bit obvious with his sort of grabbing of Sarah, and 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 you, it always it, it feels a little bit hokey because she's going, yes, I'd love to stay, and he's going, uh, no, you don't, and you go, people don't act like that in real life. You're making it obvious to the viewer, but of course the joke is on me as a cynical modern viewer because actually he's deliberately making Lupton think that he's spooked in order that they sneak in later, which is what he does. So so you, you've, you've got the baddies here going, yeah, we've sorted them out. But actually, the twist is it's all revealed. That's all part of Mike's plan. So it's a, it's a lesson in not watching cynically and going, oh, come on, that was a bit TV drama-y. No, it was a deliberate piece of, uh, 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 of, of subterfuge. Well, it wasn't subterfuge. It was, uh, it, it was, it was uh, you know, the, he deliberately drew attention to the awkwardness, Yates, in order to think that, to make Lupton think that he'd applied enough pressure to scare them off. I like Yates's natty outfit, actually, um, and I and I I actually liked earlier seeing a train station, you know, and a train pulling out, and the fact that all of this stuff is on on film, it it, it makes it feel like it's sort of part of a, 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 a sort of very realistic. As far as Doctor Who, you know, sort of various... I love the way she says the fiendish cunning of the man. I love her. I do. I genuinely love Elizabeth Slade and Sarah Jane Smith. Um, 
I love the way she does that line. I mean, I I defy anybody to see the way she does that line and just not want to go. I would like to spend the rest of my life with you. Um, and I love this letter of Joe going uh, when she when she go. And what I love about it actually, and is this is where the sort of family thing really works, and you know the family behind the scenes, because this is this is written, directed, produced, and in episode two, a bit of acted by. Barry Letts, uh, so he's, I mean, as close as Doc Two gets to an auteur. Uh, I know it's credited to Robert Sloman, but but you know, Letts Letts was Letts had his fingers on the typewriter um, as well. Um, uh, is is that the letter from Joe sounds like it was written by Katie Manning's Joe Grant, uh, and I I love that. It feels so authentic, and it again it feels like a connection, and it's odd because I'm slightly. I recoil slightly from a lot of the 80s continuity, sometimes because it thinks it seems like it's just there to to push a button of recognition, a cheap thrill, if you like. Whereas whereas the continuity here is actually a way of knitting the whole thing together, of, of marrying the era together with its themes and its characters in again, in a way that sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you know, it, shape, seasons weren't shaped, I think, in in quite the same way then as we're used to now. Where you know the, you know, season openers are a particular style of story. Season closers are a particular style of story. It, 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 there seemed to be a bit more sort of an arbitrary scattering, and, and and obviously, you know, things were still much more in 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 development, and stories came and went. So so sometimes the shape of a season, and sometimes you know, seasons were were broken up differently to production blocks the shapes of a season seemed perhaps slightly more accidental now but this is obviously this is going to be billed to a climax because it's actually the very end of the doctor himself um this particular doctor but it, it's afforded them the chance to um to, to knit together aspects of the era but not in a sort of showboating way which you know, because I I know there are people, and, and I'm 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 not immune to that suggestion that uh, you know that that David Tennant's finale seems a bit like oh we're, everybody's getting in on the action here, and you run the risk of seeing a little bit backslappy or a little bit self-reverential. This this I think judges it judges it very 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 well. It it has the sense of occasion, more of a sense of occasion than I think I've given it credit for in the past when I've just sort of you know when i've just bunged it on and especially or watched it <laughs> backwards um this feels like you know this feels like a, a a proper coming together of the era for what's going to be the the end of the you know the longest running doctor to date um and i i always i always felt in this as well that it a bit harsh on professor clegg because basically he wouldn't have died as he does here so look at the genuine sweat on his face there this is very good work. um uh because you know, he's been dragged in from his act that he was doing perfectly happily. Although I suppose he was a bit sad because he was getting the proper genuine psychic stuff. Um, uh, but basically asked her, but I think I'd remembered it as the doctor had said, look at this crystal. He'd looked at it and died. Actually, he, you know, he picked it up himself. So the doctor's not as directly responsible as, as I'd, as I'd, as I'd kind of got it in my head, but it's, it still seems a bit sad for four old Professor Clegg, who does nothing wrong. It's just that the story doesn't really need him anymore. So, and it's what you do in those days, isn't it? You go, we well, don't really need him anymore, so we may, we may as well kill him, uh, which I think is sad for uh, for poor old Cyril Shapps, who, but he does get a he does get a solo 
solo uh, caption credit uh, at the end. And it's nice to see Yates and Benton back at the top of the credits because uh, uh, by Invasion of the Dinosaurs, they'd sunk, so they'd sunk quite low to the bottom. And in Green Death and, and some of the, the, their later stories, having been you know right there at the front, I don't know what, what they'd done to upset Barry Letts, but he, he gradually sort of shoves them down the order. But they're back up to the, to the front now, which is nice. Um, again, apologies for the credits talk. Talk, it is it is very much my weird, weird. I was going to say specialism. I th- I think that accords it too much respect. It's my weird peccadillo. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, font you up the captions. Right, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so planet. I mean, that's a great episode, isn't it? That's a great. Even, even, but as I say, even even in my. Um, darkest thoughts about planet of the spiders i've always given episode one a pass but i actually enjoyed that much more this time around as well because i think it feels it feels on the way to something i i love the way it it starts knitting the era together i i I particularly like the fact that yates and and sarah are off on their own adventure i i i I love doris from brighton and, and cyril shaps does a lovely lovely cameo there and we've got the interesting things uh, you know, with Buddhism and 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 John Kane is obviously doing very strong work there in a difficult role as Tommy, and um, the way that Sarah is very kind to him and other people aren't, I think, you know, s- s- speaks to a lot of, um, you know, how 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 people, I mean, people still treat neurodiverse people absolutely appallingly, uh, and I can only imagine in 1974 how bad it was. So you know, we have to. For you know, as I say, for some of the aspects of of how the story develops that might make us now go, that's a little bit naive or makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Uh, I think in the context of of when they were doing it, and and of and you know the kindness with which that story is told, um, and the intention behind that, I think I think is, you know, is 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 something I think you know I I, I would very much be positive about. Um, but for part one. There's much to love about it, um, but I think it has to be, especially because of my uneasy and and I think our all of our slight loathing, so that self-loathing relationship with continuity and our worry of looking over our shoulders, and go. But what will the general public think? That doesn't feel anything like some more you know more, more recent ex- examples of, of of continuity but maybe it's because this was all stuff that happened before i was conscious i mean may as well say before i was born so therefore it was always part of doctor who's history so it's not something that is introduced and therefore because because i imagine the introduction of the time lords but you know if you came to that bit beforehand or when it you know when it happened that was a real shock and if you were a fan of doctor who suddenly went hang on why are they giving away his backstory what now how you're rewriting the show's dna um uh whereas to me there'd always been time lord so it didn't seem like that much of an aberration away from the show's format so you know it's very much where where one looks at this stuff from but i i like because the show is not huge on continuity at this this time, it does nice little things like it revisits the planet Peladon or, you know, has the same corporal in two stories on the trot. I, I and I and I do I, I do understand people who think that the unit family gets a little bit too cosy and Nicholas Courtney and John Levine really do need haircuts. Um, uh, I. 
I nonetheless think that the level of continuity and and the call for it because it's the beginning of the last story so we feel like we're building up to you know something that encompasses the whole era uh, we start with mike we have a letter from joe uh you know we're, we're in unit hq uh, we we yeah we have those resonances um i i think it and of course the crystal the, we have the crystal which the doctor got in essentially a joke sequence in in the green death and it all starts to come together and pay off so i think the fact that this ties in with the, the you know the, the era that has that has come uh, and the era that we know is on its way out uh, and i think the way that it does that not too showily but enough to give you a feeling of event and of sort of warmth and of comfort but of course it's a comfort that is threatened by a great great menace and that actually adds to the odd odds of that so that is my thing for episode one part one it is a six-part story by the way part one i think one of the things i really liked about part one was the unit reunion just before it kind of disbanded i suppose so we had captain yates come back who was still he was still getting some treatment after his um, business with Invasion of the Dinosaurs, where he'd basically betrayed UNIT. Um, and Captain Yates was, of course, a, a big favourite right from um, early Joe Pertwee. And he was part of the UNIT family. So here we are. It's Captain Yates, and he's in this monastery, um, this kind of domestic monastery, where he's learning to free himself from the influence and come back to himself, as it were. Uh, so there's Yates... Um, there's a big mention for Joe Grant, now Joe Jones, of course, because she, um, she sends the doctor the blue Metabilis three crystal that um, the doctor gave her in the Green Death as a wedding present. Uh, this beautiful green crystal that if you looked into it, it kind of did things to your mind. And so Joe sent it back from the Amazon in a jiffy bag because the, the locals found it uh, a bit weird and they thought it was cursed. So we had the uh, reappearance of the Metabilis three crystal. Um, so, yeah, it felt a bit like a unit thing. Uh, obviously, the brig and everyone's there. And um, that was part one. Um, well, I think I get a point for that. Thank you, Annie. Uh, and Annie and I are simpatico, I think. I think we we said the same thing. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm glad because, again, it's not really a thing I sort of thought of really entering as I entered the story. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling positive uh, that I'm entering Planet of the Spiders in the correct direction and with the right attitude because, as I say, I didn't have much nice to say about Planet of the Spiders, but I'm aware that next episode is The Big Chase. Uh, and I'm aware that on the episode after that we go to the planet Metabilis 3, which has charms all of its own. So it's not necessarily going to be easy, but I'm going to clear my mind uh, in order for my experience of Planet of the Spiders to be born anew. And hopefully I won't then die. <laughs> See you next time. Well, thanks awfully for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Hollyoaks actress and BAFTA nominee, Annie Wallace, who can be found on Twitter at Annie Wallace. I'm grateful, of course, to Annie for her time and to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. 
and they include Darren Rule, Alex Rowan, Murray Robertson, Paula Reynolds, Peter Reed, Ian Radford, Liam Price, Mary Ann Placati, John Pettigrew, Thomas Payne, Ken Patterson, Richard Patey, Phil Pascoe, Andy Parkinson, Russell Parker, Mark Trevor Owen, Jeremiah O'Connor, Steve O'Brien, Tom Neenan, Andrew Nixon, Chris Murphy, Justin E. Monaghan, Phil Mitchell, James Miller, Nick Mellish, Steve Manfred, Glenn McLeod, and Joe McLachlan. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join that list, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. And there, for as little as £3 a month, oh, you get all sorts of things. You get exclusive access, bonus content, you get advanced releases. Basically, if you were a patron, you'd have heard this six months ago. Uh, and there are also an exclusive set of releases that only patrons get, as well as other little goodies. And most of the goodies come at the lowest tier, £3 per month. There are little things to drag you further up the ladder, but I don't like withholding things, so you pretty much get everything at £3 per month. And you can also get a 10% discount on that if you sign up for a year. But I think it's a big ask to... Um, suggest anybody sign up for anything at the moment uh, bills are going through the roof um, nothing seems to be working everything seems to be falling apart so if we all just gathered here together and enjoy this shared enthusiasm for Doctor Who I feel like it's at least some way of beating the dark and I don't expect uh, recompense for it five star rating and some good reviews online though yes please <laughs> say <laughs> I'm well I don't know it's nice doing these um I had uh, it was welcome distraction I foolishly um spent a bit of time on social media and then I then I googled not myself I googled something um that I'd been involved with uh and just had a quick look they just went why did you do that uh why did you do that it's terrible isn't it but you can't got to listen to kipling haven't you you can't take you can't take the good things and not the bad things you've got to either take both or none and you know i think what we uh what we like to do or certainly i can't speak for everybody else but i <laughs> cravenly what i like to do is to take all the nice things people might say and i'm very lucky generally people are very kind um, but you can't go well those opinions are the right opinions and then people who think i'm awful <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're just wrong there's something wrong with them you can't do that um because you ca you can't say one set of people's opinions is is better based on the fact that they say the stuff that you like to hear so what that means is not that uh you just you know ignore the bad bits uh is that actually you have to ignore the bad bits and the good bits and not go out there seeking bloody attention and affirmation but that's hard to do isn't it because we all, or do we all, or is it just me? We all look for approval. Um, and so it's nice when we get it. But then, of course, you're crestfallen when you get the opposite. But, you know, I, I'm sorry if you go looking for one. You can't then, you can you? You can't, you can't then not accept the other. So I think the answer is to, to do neither. I've removed Twitter and Facebook from my phone. Um, 
but I've also got an iPad, which I very, very rarely use. But since I, <laughs> since I deleted Twitter and Facebook from my phone, I've been burning that bugger from both ends. Um, <laughs> yeah, just I'm just gonna. Oh well, while I'm on my iPad, I may as well see. Uh, but but um, yeah, I don't think it's healthy, is it, to sort of. But I, you know, I kid myself that you know you go well. I I need I need social media in order to plug my wares, and I sort of do. But it's actually set on automatic to announce when the podcasts are out. So I you know I don't I don't actually have to physically interact. Um, but of course you do. You get a glow when somebody says, "Oh, I like that thing that you did." And most people who say something unpleasant about you, I I presume because you don't you know one doesn't search oneself, does one? One shouldn't. No, don't. Um, People are perfectly entitled to say that because that's not unpleasant. People can think you're awful and, and say so without tagging you. And I think that's that's absolutely fine. I think, you know, that's people. People have a right to do that. That's not unkind. That's uh, that's people, you know, expressing their opinion about a, about a piece of work, essentially. Um, but. Um, but, yeah, um, it's funny, isn't it? But I, you know, I have you have to be honest and go. But actually, that seeking out of of that affirmation, you kind of, in a way, deserve deserve what you get because, you know, if you're if you if you're looking for the good stuff, you you you, you know, it's hypocritical to uh, to accept that and and not be open to the idea of the other. I'm thinking out loud, really. It's your fault. You wait for this stuff at the end. I couldn't think of anything else to say, and uh, and uh, I reacted to something. Uh, that I'd actually then retired to, uh, you know, my home media to watch an old Doctor Who story I don't like particular, I hadn't liked particularly much, and actually enjoyed the process of reevaluating it and talking about it out loud. So in a sense, I think this is packaged as entertainment. I wonder if it might actually be therapy for me. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, does it matter that anybody's listening? Well, well, of course it does. And when you say that you like it, I feel all, all great. <laughs> so it even feeds into that. It's just a constant um, hawking uh, of neediness, isn't it? Oh, dear. How grotesque. I'm awful. 